What's up, everybody? We are back for another episode of Believe in Queens. I'm Joe Serralo. As always, my man Tyler Ward is in one of your corners on your screen. And the big man, the guy who gets the whole bottom half to himself, Anthony Recker, former New York Mets catcher. We've got a great episode coming at you. Look, the Mets just won. That's Recker's reaction when the Mets get two hit by the Rockies on a Sunday afternoon. If you're watching on YouTube, you know he's wearing it. He's wearing a really <laughs> pissed off Mickey Mouse shirt at the moment. He's got his angry Mickey shirt. Tyler and I are in the Rec fan club. We've got our Get Rec shirts, which of course you can get to get Rec at believe.com slash shop. We've got six different designs, but who wouldn't want a Get Rec shirt with the silhouette of uh, Anthony Recker going yard in the 13th inning? Uh, you can't, you can't top that. And you can't top that this episode is brought to you, like every other episode, by our proud partners at BetOnline. Head over to BetOnline.ag. Make sure you get your latest odds, lines, news, and developments over there. And with your first deposit, use that first-time promo code BELIEVE50. That's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, BELIEVE50, for your 50% first-time, one-time welcome bonus. BetOnline, folks, it's where the games begin. You've got MLB games coming up, playoffs just a month away, and, of course, the NFL season is two weeks away guys week one right around the corner so head, head over to bet online to get in on the action gentlemen i'm gonna stop and, and let you guys start talking uh soon but we've got a phenomenal episode here of course we got the rockies recap today's game stunk but we still won three out of four dodgers coming to town and the big news in concurrence with old timers day this weekend we've got our first guest of the season daniel murphy will be joining the show momentarily I'm thrilled. I can't wait to have him on. Rec, thank you so much for uh, for pulling this one off, reaching out to your guy. Absolutely. I'm excited to have him on. I mean, Daniel Murphy, the former Rocky, right? That's why we brought him on, because we just yes. played the Rocky, 100%. so we're bringing on the former Rocky, right? Yeah, Absolutely. that's why. That's why. I'm glad to have, he's glad to do it. I'm, I'm excited to have him on. He's He's got uh, a few things to say about Old Timers Day and the Mets, and it'll be a fun conversation. Well, I want to hear what both of you, before Murph joins the show, have to say about Old Timers Day. Rec. What did you think? Mets pulled off their first Old Timers Day since 1994. Yes, that's before I was born, Tyler too. And uh, it could not have been more of a success. They retired Willie Mays' number in a surprise move that, you know, I asked my dad who works for the team. I said, did you know this was happening? Surprised everyone. He didn't even know. No one at the stadium knew it was coming. Uh, just another another check mark for Stevie Cohen. He just seems to do everything right. What did you think about Old Timers Day? It was great. Uh, when you talk about the Willie Mays retirement, I mean, they knew it was going to be a packed house. So this was awesome to do it kind of by surprise, not tell anybody. It was a really neat, uh, just extra addition to what was an awesome day. Seeing all those former Mets out there, guys that I'd seen uh, previously in the clubhouse and a lot of guys that I hadn't. Uh, you know, it was really good to see them bring back so many, especially getting some of the original 62 guys and 69 guys. And it was just really fun fun to see, uh, you know, Cleon Jones and Tommy Aggie. And I, there was just so many people there that I was just, I was just had so much fun watching out there on the field. It looked like it was a great time. Uh, of course, you know, the big names, Mike Piazza, Pedro Martinez, and, uh, you know, it's just Dave King. I mean, there were so many people there that it was just really fun to see. Uh, and again, just watching those guys all out there on the field, having a good time, having fun with it. Of course, we're going to see Daniel Murphy here in a second, but uh, you know, him being out there with those guys, it, it was really neat to see literally generation after generation after generation of Met. Um, you know, I didn't grow up a Met fan, but obviously I became one as a as a player. And so just you hear about all the history, you know, you get to see it on the field together. It was really fun to see. 
Um, you know, even even Josh Toley out there doing some catching, getting a base knock, a little bunt hit or whatever it was. I don't remember. Oh, no, he had a line drive up the middle. That's what it was. Uh, it was just fun to see. It was really fun, um, you know, to get to see those guys be a part of this. And I, I know from speaking with a couple of them that they all just were treated so well and they all had such a great time there. So uh, big props. I, I can't give enough to Steve Cohen, the front office, everybody there that kind of set this thing up and, and really gave uh, these legends their due in Mets history. And, and you know they had a great time out there. Yeah, it's hard to pull up a day where it just everything seems to go perfectly. Everything was flawless. Everything just went so well. And uh, Steve Cohen and the Mets organization really, really managed to pull that off. Tyler, what did you think of the whole day and the events? I think Rec just took, you know, all the words out of my mouth, but I think in a nutshell goes down to Steve Cohen, right? I mean, you can tell that all these Mets alumni that to varying degrees maybe haven't been given the best opportunities in their post-playing career to return back at City Field and do things. So you can just tell the type of appreciation that everyone universally had for Steve. They want to make sure that he was in the team photo, all these little things. I just thought it was awesome because, again, to say Steve Cohen has had a drastic impact on this club, not just with the current roster, but City Field, the organization, and its history as a whole, and not even its full two-year span, would be the biggest uh, understatement imaginable. So, again, to see guys like Mookie Wilson, Endy still having in the outfield was awesome. Bart on the bump, and you're seeing everyone and their mother complain, like, this guy can still throw gas, get him out of here. It looks like they did a quick rush of making him only throw to a couple batters before he was done. But overall, it was just a phenomenal experience. I I loved every single part of it. Again, to see these different generations of Mets players to all different varying degrees. Again, some guys that had drastic long-lasting impacts on the organization, others that were here for a short time, but a fun time to all universally come together and be a part of something special that will be a consistent thing for the Mets now as we go in the years going forward. I think uh, especially with Willie Mays and his number being retired, that was absolutely perfect. I'm just, again, I'm so happy what Steve Cohen has been able to do for this club in such a short period of time, and everyone truly looked like they, they had a blast. Yeah, it was a perfect event. You know, I'm glad we were talking Willie Mays and uh, the Jersey retirement because I actually have an internal argument with a couple of my coworkers here at Believe, a couple of the full-time guys who are actually a little older than me. I'm one of the younger guys at 24. They're like 27, 28. And this, this group of three in particular, the hosts of the charity stripe, they think that Mike Trout is the best baseball player ever. And you know, I get it. Maybe a lot of people my age, Tyler, our generation, you know, think that way because he's the best baseball player we've seen when he's healthy. But I'm sorry to me, Willie Mays is the best baseball player of all time. So I know he only had two years with the Mets and they were at the very end of his career. But, you know, he was as important to New York as anyone. You know, the Mets do a great job at honoring Jackie Robinson and and Willie Mays. And uh, so this was absolutely the appropriate move. Rec, what do you think? Best baseball player of all time? Actually, yeah. Like I, I had this argument with some of the guys uh, when I was in when I this is when I was in college. So this is uh, a few years back, guys. This is a couple years ago. You know, um, this was an argument we had as me and a couple of my roommates, guys that live next to me in, in dorms and everything. And, uh, you know, they were a fan of the times. They were into Barry Bonds big time. And this was before 
anything came out about the steroids. This is actually like right after he broke the records. And at the time, I said, I, to me, it's it's still Willie Mays. It always will be Willie Mays. It always has been Willie Mays. Uh, look, I obviously didn't get to see this guy play, but I've watched enough of the film. I've seen him out there, and I know all the numbers. And this guy literally did everything out there on the field that you could possibly do and gave his teams the best chance to win every time he was out there. And, you know, if you want to talk other players, there are other names. There are so many greats. Uh, of all time in baseball. Babe Ruth would certainly be among them. Henry Aaron, Jackie Robinson. There are many you can name, uh, but certainly Willie Mays has always stuck out to me as the guy that I would go for. And I have, uh, as you know, I have uh, family. My, my wife's family's all out in at California in the Bay Area. So when you talk Willie Mays, they perk up. They, <laughs> they love to talk about it, you know? like So, you know, you get to hear their version of this and, and what they saw in him and what kind of player he was. So, yeah, absolutely. I think Willie Mays, bar none, is the greatest baseball player of all time. Yeah, I mean, look, the guy was, you know, he, he was a five-tool player to the max, hit nukes, best glove ever in center field. Uh, speaking of guys, though, who hit nukes, uh, particularly in October of 2015, ladies and gentlemen, joining the show, he is a three-time All-Star, a two-time Silver Slugger, and, of course, the MVP of the 2015 NLCS Daniel Murphy. Daniel, thanks so much for joining oh, the show. Cheers. Thank you guys for having me. I can't really tell. I'm flying the I'm flying the alumni colors uh, from this weekend. Here we go. Awesome. So, Love it. There. Yeah. Figure it's still it's still the weekend. We'll keep the good times going. Tyler, Joe, Rec, how you guys doing? Awesome. Nice to meet you. Yeah, we're cheers. Doing thanks I'm for good, having Mark. me. Good to see you, man. Man, it's no thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. It's uh it was a fun weekend, uh fun day, and um yeah, ton of fun. I'd almost like to to hear it from a, the perspective of a Mets fan because <clears throat> my wife and my mom, we were kind of talking on the way back at just the reception and how many people were in the stadium. Um, and then I felt it as the buses came in, like it was a proper red carpet. And so I guess maybe I would ask you guys, like, what did you think of like maybe the 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 day or the leading up to it? And then the unveiling, I heard you guys talking about Willie Mays, too, like to keep that under wraps. I heard the, the tail end of Sandy Alderson. He was uh, he got asked the question, how did it stay under wraps? Were you surprised? And I think he was I'll probably miss it. But um, I'm always surprised when a secret stays a secret with the Mets or something like that. So, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah what would you guys think? I love the role reversal, Murph. I mean, it's amazing. You come on and you're asking the hard hitting questions right off the bat. That's a, that's, that's a great little switch up. Um, you know, we all loved it. It, it was, uh, I was actually just saying regarding, you know, the whole Willie Mays thing, how my dad actually has worked for the Mets since 2010. I worked for them 2015 to 2019. So thank you for making my first year there uh, a really memorable one. But, uh, but yeah, he didn't know it was coming. No one knew it was coming. And I thought that that was just, you know, Steve Cohen continues to, to get everything right. Yeah. You know, and his uh, wife, Alex, is killing it too, I believe. Yeah. Um, well, I won't, I won't say I believe, I know. Um, she was instrumental in um, allowing my wife, who founded a charity called Prom Series, uh, which, um, you know, focuses on, um, you know, teenage girls who are in the foster care system. And so the Mets, you know, got the auditorium space, Alex Cohen, June, um, all the wives, Erica Scherzer, Stacey DeGrom. And so we let, let them, they put on a proper show for about 20 girls who are in the foster care system. Got to watch Jake Pitch on Thursday, um, which I got to see. I was about three rows away because I stole my agent seats and I was just far enough away that I thought I was safe because um, it was coming out of his hand good. So, no, it was uh, it was kind of a 
it was a, a bit of a week for us because my wife and I, we got in Wednesday morning and then she hosted an event, you know, with the help of, of the Mets and, and everyone there and Steve Cohen um, and Alex. And, you know, it was just, it was a fun, fun week for us, honestly. Yeah, it, it sounds like it. Tyler, I, I know you're dying to get in there, so I'll stop hogging the mic and uh, I'll hand it over to you. Yeah, I mean, I'm so glad that you brought up Alex, especially because, you know, since Steve Cohen has come in, you know, the reins as a new owner for the Mets, not just himself, but Alex has had a helping hand in a lot of things. Even when it comes down to even, you know, offseason acquisitions, you know, negotiations with players and really just trying to amplify what they're trying to do now with this new Mets regime. So my question to you, Daniel, is from afar, from what you've seen again in the small sample size, what has been your immediate reaction to the uh, success Steve Cohen has had with the Mets thus far and really kind Kind of, is there does there feel like there's been a drastic change yeah, within guys. the organization since then um what's your take on all that might be having some tech difficulties here i uh technical oh, difficulties okay. yeah right right on cue when we have our first guest <laughs> yeah i, we'll we lost Murph, I lost you guys um, okay what's the last, what's the last thing to... you heard me say murph do you know I think um, we were talking about maybe some of what. Um, sorry, I'm on the move right now. In the dark no, no, you're house. good. I'm sorry. Um, about kind of maybe some of the things that Steve Cohen's been able to do and the energy he's brought since taking ownership. That may be paraphrasing somewhat. Yeah, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Yeah, not a, not only him but Alex. I know you expanded a little bit on your charity work that you're doing and how she's had a great impact on that array. But yeah, just overall, I want to know what is kind of your standpoint from someone that, of course, wasn't a part of the organization per se as a player during everything that transpired, but has been able to witness things now as an as an alumni. Like, are things pretty drastic in your opinion just since Steve Cohen has come in? Like, I really want to pick your brain and just see what your opinions are on that. Yeah, I would say... Um... I would say in regards to that, I wouldn't call it drastic. I do. I did like the idea of him kind of getting a pulse of the fans and what were some of the things that they would like to see. And then we got to experience one of them. And I think the black jerseys were one as well, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. And so I thought that was was really cool. And then and then as you were asking the question, what came to my mind was the product and what the guys are doing on the field, because that's what I get to see most often. And so with the hiring of Buck, um, and what it appears he's been able to do with this club is my, you know, iPad slips all over the place. But what he's been able <laughs> to do um, and have his, um, I would say, temperament on this club, you know, um, one of the things he did early in the year when he had that rule change or that that rules infraction that he knew about. Do you guys remember that? The Dodgers yeah. game when uh, the Mets were up five? Yeah, I just – he just like – he knew a rule that you had to really – be invested in to know and like yeah. you're in it and i just i remember they were explaining it on mlb network and i was like thinking i was like i really like baseball how the hell does he know that rule like where <laughs> did you dig that out and he knew it and he knew that he knew it and so i feel like i've said this but this team that i'm seeing is is you can see them competing more and more on each pitch and it's that choice to compete i believe on every single pitch because as there become less teams in October and in September, each pitch is that much more important. And it's only checking in on every single one. And it costs something because you're not always going to get what you want, even though you're checked in on every pitch. Sometimes you get beanbagged, but, you know, such is life. So that's what I've been watching. And that's what they look like. Like they're competing like maniacs out there. 
Yes, they Murph, are. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull this back a little bit because I know you came in here asking us questions because you, you don't like the spotlight on you. You, you want to push it on other people. You don't want it on you. Well, I'm gonna put it on you because I love you, and that's just what's gonna happen. So, Murph, you got to be a part of Old Timers Day. This is an easy question, I, I think. But what was to you? What was the most humbling? The most unexpected? You know, tell us about your experiences because you got to be a part of something and do something with some players that have been, I mean, to Mets fans, these are our legends. These guys can't be, nothing bad can be spoken in the breath of their name, like literally Mm. uh, for the, you know, essence of time. So tell us about your experiences with these guys Mm -hmm. and kind of take us behind the scenes as to what you got to be a part of with, uh, with Old Timers Day. Okay, I would say the first one that was probably the most humbling and surreal and like all stroke moment was Cleon Jones. Uh, we we're in the third base dugout and Cleon Jones came up to me and kind of put his arm around me. He was like, um, I just want to let you know that like you could really hit. And I was I was sad to see you go when you left. And I was like, say what, man? <laughs> On the knee. Like we didn't play a Mets game without Cleon like right there just sticking that ball. And I was like, that's man like that's that was really that was really cool and then honestly the reception thursday was unexpected um you kind of maybe in the old tires game you know some expectation of a reception you know the fans get to choose how they want to receive you but then thursday a bit impromptu was um yeah it was really humbling it was a a bit emotional and then the one actually the reception this is funny because hosey was right next to me and hosey doesn't miss stuff because he's sharp man um so I get announced and I come out and like, I get emotional again, like, you know what I mean? Emotional. And then I get down the end of the line and, and Jose goes, Oh, hey, puppy, don't cry, man. And I was like, ah, <laughs> you see, so man, Jose was great to be around. I got to do an interview with Jose and TC, um, Steve Gelbs. And like, that was a treat. Like Jose just seems so excited to be back. You know what I mean? Um, Almost killed Hojo at first base. <laughs> I, love you, I told you you were going to hurt you, somebody. <laughs> no. 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 It was a great time. Amazing. Awesome. Amazing. Hey, Murph, you know, I think that if I'm not mistaken, Wayne Randazzo might have alluded to this when he was introducing you guys and doing the lineups. Um, but one of my favorite stories about you, and I know it's my pops' favorite, so he's glad I'm bringing this up, is – I don't have all the details, so I'm going to ask you to give the full story. But something along the lines of you, I don't know if it was in the minors or when you got called up, being asked what position oh, you play oh, yeah. yeah, and answering, I'm okay. a number three hitter. Can, can you give yeah. the full story there? Because I love that confidence, I give, man. man. Yeah, confidence, <laughs> naivete as well, too. Kind of like <laughs> kind of like Frodo Baggins running off into an adventure he doesn't even know he's getting into. So I was a, I was a JU, um, and I'm actually, I have my high school hat on right now. Um, but I, I went to Jacksonville University and I was a freshman. Um, and it was like, you know, we were, we're going around, we're introducing ourselves. You know, there's like 35 guys in there and like there's men in there, like 22, you know, fifth year men that know what a weight room is. And I'm not a man. I'm 18 years old, but I just got done like banging on the summer circuit. And I was like swinging it well, feeling good with the wood in my hand. Okay, so we're introducing himself. I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm. Daniel Murphy, I went to Inglewood High School, and uh, I bat third. <laughs> and it's like, to hear myself is like somebody who's been like stone cold humbled by this game to say something like that was like, 
<laughs> yeah, that's what I said, man. And I think though, I don't, you know, the skipper loves it now. Like our skipper, Terry Alexander, he tells the story. He loves it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I was a real jack wagon doing it. But <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the way the story goes. But you know, we got done with the thing. And like, I was kind of like all the boys were heading to the cage. And like, that's where I wanted to hang out. And I was like, I don't know if I bat third today, but maybe one day I'll hang out <laughs> in the cage with you if you want to try. Like, maybe I'll bat fourth. You know what I mean? But so I like to hang out in the cage. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad course, you cleared man. that up because I, I thought it was like in uh, in the minors with the Mets. No, I didn't realize game, that was fresh. No, I, I had been humbled too. By the time I got to the minor leagues, you know, I had, uh, Jesus had taken one of my knees for a bit. So it's like, you know, I, and you got to catch that baseball too, which is difficult at times. So, yeah, it wasn't any more of that. It was, I was a little, I was more humbled necessarily. I love it. T, hop in there. Okay. So, um, unlike Joe, I am in more of like kind of a new age Mets fan where like I always have been a Mets fan my whole life. My dad is from Queens right down the block from Shea Stadium and everything. But for me personally, you know, I didn't really get deep dive into Mets fandom. And Murph, are you hear me? You still good? Yeah, I got you back. on. You know what? This time I didn't panic. I was stayed in the same place. <laughs> I'm sorry. Reload it. Um, I think the last thing was we were, I just talked. It's only when I talk. Uh, should I just shut I up? I think that's a sign. I think that this is a, a three-man episode. It, do, I, do I just need to like text you what what to say for me, Joe? Yeah, there we go. There <laughs> we go. We'll, we'll give we'll it put a you second. in the mailroom. You can send Murph a get rec shirt while Wrecker and I do the interview. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we we might. He'd as well rock it. He'd rock it. He's got the high school oh. hat on. He'd rock, he'd wear a rec shirt. Okay. Well, you know, well, by well. the way, I, I don't know if Murphy knows this, but he mentioned Jacksonville. Um, Jacksonville University played St. Bonaventure in the 1970 Final Four. I don't know if, uh, if Danny knows. That. Oh, is he back? He was back. He was. He'll hold <laughs> We'll give it a minute. It's okay. We're sliding little, little around down there. here. We keep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm flipping because I wanted to make it look like you guys are kind of looking at each other when talking. So it's not like he's looking right in the corner. Okay. True. Here we oh, go. Three. Okay. Oh, no. Again. Might need to switch rooms. <laughs> no worries. Um, show walk. Yeah. Uh, what I did want to say though, uh, Joe, honestly, if it, if you're asking me questions now, no, I mean, at this point, maybe I'm, maybe I'm the issue here. Yeah. yeah, No, I don't think, I mean, I don't, I feel like you guys do this all the time. I got you guys. Yeah. 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 You got us. Cool. So Tyler, I think you were saying that 2015 was like the first year you followed the Mets, right? Correct. Like first year that I really got heavily into them because of the fact that, you know, I had always been a baseball and a Mets fan, but naturally growing up, I was more into other sports, especially because baseball wasn't something that I played. But needless to say, halfway through the season, my cousin told me, you know, you're younger than me. He's like, Tower, you got to watch the series against the Nationals. I'm like, why? He's like, because if the Mets win this series, they're leading the division for the first time in a while. So I'm like, okay, watch that series. We know what happened. Then, of course, Cespedes, everything for as the whole nine yards. And then Murphy did what you did, of course, in the playoffs, which was what, which what was an amazing run. But that was like that huge first taste of Mets fandom for me. And then I see next year I'm going to a game and it's against the Nationals. This is your first year in D.C. And before I even <laughs> enter, because I'm stuck in traffic, I see it's one nothing in the first. And I look at my buddy. I'm like, it was Murph, wasn't it? And he's like, yeah, it was Murph. It was a bomb. I was like, OK, here we go. So my question to you, Murph, is someone that, again, 
had this long history in the Mets organization to going from being a Mets hero, especially come playoff time, to really a Mets killer. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You absolutely pistol whip this team when you played them. So question is, what is it like being on both sides of the spectrum, right? Going from the Mets to the Nationals, being a part of both sides in that rivalry during the late 2010s. So, man, when we were, I mean, if you're starting 2010s, it makes me think that, I mean, they they came in and, and treated us like they were better than us and kicked the crap out of us for a long time. And it was unpleasant. Like they'd come in and, you know, Zim would bang one in the right center field gap and we'd have to chase it down and they just beat us up, you know? And so that was during your outfield days, huh, Murph? Man, don't be mean spirited, Greg. Yeah, I walked around out there for a bit. Um, but so, like, as they were, as they were, as they were getting good, they just kind of beat us up. And so, in 2015, we kind of showed up earlier than we thought, you know. And then, like, Sandy makes those moves at the deadline, and like that move. But you know, we still had Clipper as well too. Um, I mean, you know, Kelly Johnson and Uribe, and so. You know, I remember kind of the 2015 season as there being one, not one singular moment, but one moment where I was like, oh, this is different. TC called in, and it was me, Lucas Duda, Flo, and Tejada. And it was like, we're getting Juan Uribe and Kelly Johnson, like real major league players. And it's like, it's a, merit, it's a meritocracy. The at-bats will go to who plays well. And I was like, oh, snap. I ain't never been in one of these before. And so, but it kind of started sharpening us up. You know what I mean? We all had to get a bit sharper. I had to get out of the way and you could feel it kind of building up and Seth comes in and, you know, he carries us. And then, so yeah, through that, you know, 2015 and that run, you know, through, you know, through Washington, you know, no other way to really say it. You know, we kind of, we, we ran him down and we ran past him and we didn't let him catch us. It was wild. I mean, I remember, I said, you know, TC talked about the sweep at home, which I remember how like how loud the place was because it was like uh, I feel like we got back and David was in the dugout because I was watching a replay of Duda's homer, and like I'm going nuts and we're you know my losing my voice and David's next to me and it's great to have him back because you know he's working to get ready and it was after that series we went down to Miami and I think we took two out of three and that is not an easy place to take two out of three from man that. Man, you get sucked in down there. Like, there's no energy. And I don't mean to say, take anything away from Miami. It just, it, it, you have to bring your own energy. And we were coming off of this high and we came in late because it was a Sunday nighter that we finished up with. And, you know, Conforto's old young behind, like, cracked like two while we were down there. And we ended up taking two out of three. And it was like, oh, that's how you want to pin it. You know what I mean? You go and beat those teams you're supposed to. And then we showed up in DC and I was like, Man, I go, it's like we showed up in second, we'll leave in first. I didn't really know if I'm in it, but we we're in the like going to get our keys to the room. And I was like, ah, why not? I'll say it. Let's see how it lands. And we beat them up there. You know what I mean? And so beat we're off up. and running. And, and then 2016, um, yeah, I swung the bat like, well, against the Mets. I saw it well. <laughs> understatement. Yeah. I was actually, I was kind of, you know, voting or something that year. I mean, okay. Well, so I was actually thinking about this because I texted a good friend of mine and who was in DC is Ali Modami. And he was um worked in the worked in the cage with us left-handed, worked in Philly, and then in DC's out in um LA with the Angels now. And I was just thinking and I actually thanked him because like I can get really detail-oriented into things. And for some reason, when I got to DC, what my focus was was trying to find every single advantage I could on the opposing pitcher, at least the starter. You know what I mean? Maybe I'd get into the bullpen, but 
I got into this kind of positive feedback loop where I was fortunate enough to swing the bat early, well early with DC. And then I'd get into some film and I'd watch the opposing pitcher and I'd paint pictures of where I wanted the ball to start, where I wanted it to finish and where I wanted to hit it. And I just got lost in that world. And this guy would get lost in there with me and he'd let me ramble like you guys are right now. You know what I mean? I'd get lost in this world and I did it the whole year. You know what I mean? My, you know, we had kids and we had a house in DC and my wife allowed me to do it because I'd come home, you know, the nights we needed to talk, we'd talk and then she'd go to bed and I'd eat and I'd watch the guys out West. Cause I was kind of like, I had already gotten a couple knocks and I was like, what are you guys going to do? Cause this stuff is hard, but I got mine tonight. So I'd watch them with this kind of joy about like already having had some success. And that was kind of the whole year, you know, and then we, you know, didn't, didn't play as well in the postseason. Um, but yeah, that would have been like the 15, 16 kind of front back of it, of the either side of it, just in those two years from my, from a personal well, Murph, perspective can, and a little bit further. Murph, I can, I can tell you that you talk about getting lost in it and I got to play with you for three years. I got to play against you a little bit in 16. I remember you coming up as a national and I was behind the plate as a brave and that was just weird. But um, mm -hmm. talking to you about hitting was not like talking to anybody else I'd ever met about hitting before. Um, the way you spoke, the words you used, the detail, the level of detail you would get into. I, I just, this is me personally. I just want to know this. Where did that come from? Like where, when did that start? those kinds of conversations where you really got that locked in? Was that a love of the game? I mean, obviously it has mm -hmm. to be on some level, but where did that detail come from? Because to me, mm -hmm. I got three boys upstairs. I can teach him so much, but I can't teach him what you can teach him. And the way you spoke words to me, it was like, I mean, it just, I remember you talking about feeling the earth and, and it just, <laughs> it just blew my mind. So I got to hear where this came from so I can relay yeah. some of that wisdom onto them. So I would say the, the, the first thought I had when you said details, it made me think of my father because he had a lawn maintenance company here in Jacksonville and he, because he was smaller and couldn't get as much work done, he had to be very detail oriented. So he would, you know, he would plant flowers and he would make sure that the you know, irrigation was always working just a bit of the extra mile for his for his main client and where he knew the substance of his revenues were going to come from. So I was like, mm, OK. And he showed up every day and it was 150 degrees out here in the summer and he posted every day cutting grass. And I was like, OK, it appears as if you if you have work to do and you show up voluntarily and she is, then this is the way you do it. Well, I kept signing up for the baseball. You know what I mean? So I was like, I'd kind of pinned myself into this is the work. That's what it looks like to do it. And then I found that you could you could go deep into it. Now, the defensive part didn't really ever interest me that much as far as like the, the, the <laughs> physical reps of it. I didn't enjoy if I wanted to rep, I wanted to be hitting something like I wanted to feel mm -hmm. the barrel. I did enjoy the part of defense where you could turn defense into attack a bit. You know what I mean? I like the chess match out there. Um, I just didn't always, I did, I took a lot more reps hitting, you know what I mean? And then that's when you would, that's when you would take off running after I called the pitch, the pitcher's in the windup and you just take off running to the hole because yeah. you thought the ball was yeah. going. Yeah. I was like, Hey, you know, I like the chess match, you know, I would do that. But the funny thing is I would, um, there were certain guys too, cause you know, like, like Yachty and Goldschmidt, like, and Buster, if you showed them that three, four hole, especially with runners out there at second base, they would just take it. And I'd be like, no, absolutely not. I'm going to close down. I wanted to close down the visual. 
You know what I mean? I was like, there's no space over there. So yeah, I run around like a crazy person, like full stop. Like I ran the bases like that too. It just like, and so, but with the, the hitting that really attracted me probably because of the individual battle that you have with the pitcher. So he's trying to execute his plan. He's trying to figure out how much of his strengths he's going to stick to. And does that match up with your weaknesses, hopefully, and vice versa. And it's like the pitcher initiates the the interaction and the exchange, right? He's the initiator, but he doesn't get to pick when I start. That blew my mind when I started thinking, you know what I mean? It's like, you get you start when you want. I get to start when I want. That means I could sometimes be waiting for you. If I can get the count in my favor, I can wait for you. What's the count in my favor? <laughs> All of them except for two strikes. Maybe some of them, even with two strikes, depending on the situation. Can he punch me? Can he not? Take a shot. You know what I mean? So, like, you can have all sorts of stuff going on in there. And I kind of got lost in that world. And then I'd get to go play it out kind of each night and express myself. And the mechanics I feel like I probably had worked on for so long turned into, like, this expression on the field. I started kind of painting, especially in batting practice. Like, that's I hit a ton of golf balls now, like, when I can get out there. Because it lets me kind of paint just a little, just enough. Because I've got a ton of ground balls in there in my golf game, too. Like, I got a ton of double play balls. But it, I hit just enough of them on the barrel to, like, re replicate batting practice. Because I love to hit BP. Like, I love to hit BP. That's awesome. I'm playing this over again for my kids later because that was awesome. Yeah, I, I got a 10-year-old brother, and uh, he, he's a lefty. And he's got to watch that, too. Uh, Murph, you know, it's funny. You mentioned that game earlier this year. Uh, with Buck in LA, knowing rules that Dave Roberts didn't know, the umpires didn't know. And uh, I was actually, I'm a Met fan who just moved out to LA. So I was at that game, watching that all happen. And uh, I, I just want to mention that I was getting chirped the entire game. So you mentioned how you kind of ran the bases recklessly at times. I did mention to a few Dodger fans that someone should have been covering third in uh, in game five of the NLDS back in 2015. I, I used that in my arsenal a couple times that night. Yeah, so um, the la I heard the first part about Buck being in L.A. Sorry, because I keep getting okay. put out. And then and the rule, and then the last part I heard was the – was it first or third in L.A.? Yeah, so so I was saying I'm a Met fan who – New York born and raised. I moved out here in April Okay. And to, yeah. to L.A. And mm -hmm. uh, so I was at that game, and I, I, I was getting crap all night. Dodger fans are ruthless. And so I, I did yeah. use that a few times, like, hey, why wasn't anyone covering third uh, back in game five yeah. of the NLDS? What, what happened on that play? What was the breakdown and how did you just, I mean, that's a split second decision and a really risky ballsy one. So like what, what went down there on your end? Depends on what your definition of a split second is. So when I was, uh, when I was 19 years old in uh, a tournament against, I think it was like South Alabama. Um, somebody did that to me, went second to third with the ball, like, you know, nothing going on. And he just went on me and I thought, that's freaking cool, man. But I should never let that happen to me again. Because that would be like, that was the chess match that a part that I really enjoyed. Um, and so I always started looking for that. And like, Rec knows, Andleton Simmons always looked for it. Desi always looked for it. Like, and like, I'd have to yell at those dudes, man. I'd be like, hey, I see you. Like, stop trying to go on me. Like, just, you know, just let me relax out here. I can't catch the ball. Or I'm trying to catch it. <laughs> You, you can't be like trying to steal 90 feet on me. Like I'm just trying to relax and get ready for the next pitch.
All right, well, we'll catch him. We'll catch him again with the second half of that story. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, shortly, Un- unforeseen stuff. It's you know, technology. It's a blessing and a curse. It's just it's the world we live in, twenty twenty two, and uh, you can't bank on it, guys. So all right, yeah. Well, so no, I think no, no, I think and so like so what I did, I guess not what I did, but in that game, they did they were doing the shift, and this was the early stages of the shift, um, and so you know, Duda takes that three. 3-1 pitch because I wanted a 3-2 I wasn't in motion it was a 3-1 and nobody kind of knew and like Gary Cedarstrom kind of hesitated due to did one and so I had been looking for it you know what I mean like I, I wasn't saying I wasn't looking for it why we get there and so I kind of take off a little faster than I wanted sincerely um and so I pull it back you know because I want swaggy he's playing second now but he's the third baseman Justin Turner Justin Turner yeah Justin Turner. I was like, I need Swaggy <laughs> to not like well Swaggy will sniff you out man like yeah I was like okay no uh so I kind of pull it back and I kind of, I feel good heading in. All right. So I'm going and I'm kind of, as I approach the bag just a little bit, I give a little peek because I know at this point in my heart, at least with my decision-making of what I'm trying to do, I'm not, I'm not concerned with Justin anymore. He may still get me, but I'm not concerned with him. It's now Zach. I'm, I'm looking for Grinky. So I give, cause Grinky is the Grinky pays attention to all the time. And so um, I give like a subtle peek over my shoulder to see where he is. And I think he's frustrated. Maybe I, he's not as concerned with me as, as I, that would deter me from my, my next movement, which is I make eye contact with Corey Seager. And at that point, like, at least in my heart, he sees like, this is going down and I'm out of here. You know what I mean? And I make a break for it. And well, I'm just like running as fast as I can. And I don't even realize because I guess in the replay, tough is like cleaning the base off, like with his foot. You know what I mean? He's like trying to get it prepped for, you know, first and second and whatever the heck's happening next. And, tough well, not I paying attention. Fl- Shocker. Well, no, Shocker. I, don't, I, mean, I didn't mean it like that. I was just saying tough is like cleaning shop over there. You know what I mean? And so, um, yeah, I come flying in there. You know what I mean? Like a maniac. And I'm like, like going crazy. And not, not like, not, out loud audibly like in my heart like i've got to get there because like man like i run the bases like a crazy person i got to get there like he's taking a shot and so i did i made it and then trav trav hits the sack fly um jake battled so hard that day uh, yeah. turn it over to Cindergard. um and then yeah and then greenkey and i played a chess match um i think my third event we played a chess match He's a good chess player, man. <laughs> he's, he's a good chess player. Yeah. I, look, I, I just got to follow up on that because, you know, it, you were in one of those zones where everything was going right. And I've actually mentioned you a couple times in, in past episodes how you were one of those guys who, when you were hot at the plate, your fielding seemed to improve drastically when you were <laughs> in a hot streak, when you were in a zone at the plate. And mm-hmm. even looking at something like base running, just how much did it matter for you when things were going well at the dish? How much did it improve your overall game and mm. just were locked in on every facet? Yeah. Like, as you asked that, the, the thought I have is like each game, I think, has a pulse to it. Mm-hmm. And so I think maybe as a player, I was trying to find the pulse of the game. So one of the things that was probably a big turning point in my career is when I left the video in the video room, except for like balls and strikes, because I still had a struggle with that. Like the umpires are still like I've had. To ask for forgiveness. Were you yelling Thursday night when you were at the game? You had to be talking to the umpire. No, no, no. (laughs) I I did introduce myself. Um, So, but and now I've lost my train of thought. Um, Goodness, what was I talking about before that? Um, 
leaving video in the video room and yes thank you very much each game has i'm sorry like each game has a bit of a pulse at least that's the way i viewed it and so if you could find that rhythm of it you could almost find ways to express yourself in all facets of the game this is just stream yard at its finest oh yeah no we'll, we'll give it a minute it's fine it's funny because every single time that I've done interviews with someone else using this, the yes. same thing's happened to me. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. You guys are too yeah. gracious. Like the pulse of the game, though, I felt like if you if you could find that, then it would just kind of help you get like you could get involved in the game. And so I got when I started observing the game, and I would watch kind of from the I wouldn't call it the top step, but just a place I like I had purchase of where I wanted to watch the game, watch the opposing pitcher, and just try to get a feel from it, and then. Just the more you got to feel for it, it, it felt it, the better I played. You know what I mean? I guess is the best way because you just, you were maybe more anticipatory, I would say. Like the game, you know, when you're, well, I guess that asked you, Rick, like do you have, if you feel like there's a difference between you're anticipating and you're on the front foot, you know what I mean? When you're attacking, when you, when you, you put yourself in the position of authority, you know what I mean? To like dictate. Yeah. The, look, the I, as a catcher, I was, I was always a game, I was a game caller, right? Like I had to know, Kind of what I had to try to know what the other the opposing hitter was thinking, what my pitcher wanted to do, utilize the game plans. So like you know, you've got you mentioned this earlier. You've got your pitcher strengths, you've got the hitter strengths. How am I going to combine the two? Where am I going to you know? Where are the hitter's weaknesses? Where am I going to exploit those? Well, there were times when you get in a zone, whether it's offensively, defensively, whatever it is, and yeah, you you feel like you're more on that front foot where you're the one you're an aggressor rather than trying to react to what they're doing. Mm. You're the one causing the reactions from them and that's when you start to feel like yeah it's a chess match and i'm in his head right now like as a yeah. catcher i i love that being in a hitter's head almost knowing like what is this guy thinking where is he going what's his thought process and then as the at bat plays out and you just own him every step of the you way take him you take him where you want him to game. go a hundred percent. You just, you literally just take his, it, it felt to me like I was taking his soul and I just, it was well, so you, fun. I mean, I mean well, the, to, 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 to a certain extent you are because you, do, you never get that at bat back. So it's, I mean, there's, there's a little piece of you that you leave there and you have to hopefully take whatever you can glean from it with you. You know, that's mm -hmm. interesting. You say that. So worth used to tell this story about, about, um, he was, I think he was taking about Bryce. I think that Chooch, um, had kind of, just done chooch sort of things to Bryce when he was younger, you know, not to Bryce now that's, you know, MVP, but I think Bryce went in there and started wailing away on the helmet. Chooch, Chooch is Ruiz from Philly. Oh yeah. Carlos. Yeah. Carlos Ruiz. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so I think worse up to bat and he can hear chooch under his breath, just harder. Uh, is Bryce is wailing away and it's like oh my goodness you know these guys are cutthroat you know what I mean but that's like it brings the best out in us you know what I mean it just because you know that it like it's not malicious it's just like like I'm here to find every area in which we can put ourselves in a position to win and it's like harder harder <laughs> I got a phone one for you for that because this this is something I, I didn't even think about it until later in my career but my first at bat in the big leagues, my first at bat, I'm I'm against against the Yankees. I'm in Oakland A at the time. I step up to the plate and Russell Martin looks at me and he goes, You came up with the A's, right? And I was like, Yeah. Like, you know, like you came up through the minor leagues with the A's, right? Yeah. First pitch fastball right down the middle. I took it. And I never thought about it until later. 
And that was him just going, oh, yeah, yeah, you're going to take because you're an you're gonna Oakland give me one. You're going to give me one. I was like, that little I – didn't, I didn't, like literally years later, I, I was like, wait a minute. He, unbelievable. Like mm. you're looking for any little ad, get in your head. Like, man, come on. Like that's not even fair. What are you doing to the kid? Let's go. I was like 27 making my major league <laughs> debut. Give me a shot, guys. Come on. That's crazy. <laughs> I that's love that, uh, at the same time. Marty, I, I was just going to say hop in there, but it looks like Murph might have froze, so it's appropriate. <laughs> it's your turn. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, we. I don't want to hold you up too long, Murph, but I did want to mention. No, I feel I feel bad. I feel like I've got the cutout and wrecked, like, the light bulb. That's awesome going off of, like, that guy figured out I was going to give him a strike. And, well, then as you get older and you realize how important strikes are, it's like I think the whole game, it's a fight over the strike zone. It's like, man just stole one from me for free. You know what I mean? And I didn't, I had to learn that to know not to give it away so easily. Right. And it took me years after that to figure that out too. That's uh, take a while sometimes for me. It's a, it's a hard league, man. It's a hard league, man. That's why. So I left after the 20th season. Y'all throw too hard. I'll see y'all later. <laughs> um, Okay, so I know Joe want to want to ask this. So Joe, if you want to go ahead, but I was going to mention, ahead, you know, um, we're really curious, especially as you know, Mets fans, you gain to witness Jake, you know, in his early years, of course, and being a part of what he is about to what he is now. We're really curious to see what your perspective is on Degrom as he's grown over time to being, you know, and biasly we will say the best pitcher in baseball. I know I will at mm. least. And oh. then, of course, being with Max Scherzer with the Nationals to now not just being on both sides of the spectrum, but them together. What's your mm -hmm. reaction to seeing these two type of minds and these talents in the same clubhouse now and ultimately the type of experiences that you had when you were with both of them with the respective teams? Yeah, I would say thinking about Jake because um, I was fortunate enough to be there when he got called up. And, you know, one of the things I remember about him is just like he's so athletic. He's, he's so athletic. He played shortstop at Stetson, which is just down the street here from – and I played against him at JU. And so he, he didn't really start pitching until his junior year. And so, you know, he ended up having – so I, I kind of knew him because we had the same scout, you know, Steve Barningham. And so, you know, I was able – and then I was rehabbing as well too when he was down there after um, he got drafted. He was in the structural league. And, you know, he has – I'm going to do – he had Tommy on surgery. And, you know, it was – it was almost at that time, kind of 2010, and then I will fast forward it to now, 2020. It's like that 22, that kind of 10 years where he's gotten that work in. You know what I mean? And then to take it back, I remember when he got called up, just how easy the ball came out of his hand and how much he repeated his delivery. And then every now and then, not every now and then, he always had good at bats. And then when you would watch him run down the line, like he could move. Like he would just float down the line and you would just see, man, like how does he put his body in this position? Cause he's so big. And then now when I see him out on the mound, he's just, he's just like this. And it just, it puts everything where he wants nice and easy and just unlocks like a hundred on you. And like he grabbed seven punch outs out of the first nine batters he faced the other day against the poor rock show, man. I was so happy. I wasn't in there. I was just, <laughs> I was so happy. I can't explain to you. It just, and the thing is, is I'll say, like, the thing is just with my eyes, and this isn't to take any, there's nothing to be taken away from what he did that night was, it wasn't as sharp as I think he was the first, probably two starts, maybe, you know, at least the finish maybe through the zone. And then I went and took my son last year to watch him in Atlanta. Um, when I think he gave up the three in the first where they kind of yeah. stung him when they started swinging yeah. at the rosin bag, basically, like they decided they were going to hit no matter what. And um, by the time I think, they kind of caught on. It was like three nothing 
I think. But then he went and grabbed like 12 punch outs. Like everybody started getting struck out. And I was like, oh my goodness. Um, oh dear. Um, and so like, that's what he's got in him. That's when he was Bob Gibson. Like, that's why I took my son to Atlanta. I was like, man, they almost got rained out. I thought, and I was like, hey, Bob Gibson's going tonight. So we're going to go watch him because that's the season he's having. So, you know, now I think, you know, even Rick and I were kind of talking about earlier, what does it look like to, to get them ready for this run? Cause that's what, like, that's where they're heading. I mean, that's where they're heading. And so he looked good the other night. And then Max did, I mean, I saw, unfortunately, I, they lost today, one nothing, but I was looked up in the sixth. I think we landed and it was um, zero, zero, one hit a piece. It was, everybody was ready for the getaway day or day off. I get it, man. It happens. I, I mean, that's a big weekend for those guys too. There's a ton of energy in the yeah. stadium all weekend. And then you got the turnaround and, you got the off day tomorrow and it's like, well, to say I haven't looked forward to an off day on a day game is, you know, and didn't pay attention to the fifth inning would be alive. I've done that before. Like, man, I want to get to the off day, man. Tired. You already took three from them. It's the bonus game, but you know, you already got the three. Happens. <laughs> <laughs> Rick, you wanna you wanna chime in, boss? I got I got nothing. I'm just I'm just so happy to to see you, Murph, to get to listen to you. Just give out all this free knowledge, man. Are you going to be oh, – first of all, I want to I thank you for coming on. Then I want to talk about quickly – because you mentioned it early on, the work that your wife's doing with the Mets, with the prom series. I love philanthropy. I love giving back. It was something I wish I did more of as a player. I'm trying to get into it now, now that I'm past that point. But um, I, I want to thank you guys for continuing to do that work because, to me – that's what this is all about. You get to play a game, and, and you used to say this to me sometimes, that this isn't the real world. Like, playing baseball, we got to be a part of something that it wasn't really the real world, but you get to give back to people, and you get to really help people uh, in the real world. I, I, love, I just love seeing things like that. And, and then finally, and I'm going to bring this up just because I, I don't know if my cohorts wanted to or not, but I got to bring up one story, one fun Murph story from my time this might be it's it's probably one of my favorite stories and it's actually it's actually not a great story for me but i'm gonna bring it up anyway we're in st louis murph and <clears throat> i don't remember what was i don't remember the situation i'm not i don't have that memory you have i think it was like first and third um actually it was first and third there was a there was I think Matt Holiday, I want to say it was Matt Holiday, I could be wrong, sure. hit a pop-up to you. This is before it was first and third, runner on second. Hit a pop-up to you. You kind of did like a dance. You ran back, turned around, ball fell. I don't you know, like whatever. It happens, right? It's, it happens. Well, it ends a up lot. being first and third. <laughs> ends up being first and third. Uh, next pitch, boom, he takes off from first. I throw down a second. There's two outs. I had him by about, I don't know, 15 feet. Yeah. <laughs> Roof comes running in, charging, cuts it off. Throws it home, or no, throws it to third. I'm sorry, throws it to third. And I forget it was on third. It might have been Matt Carpenter. Just dives back in safely. Runner gets the second. And I stood at home plate like this. Murph, what are you doing? Yeah, it's – there were – And then I, I remember my favorite part, and this is – I'll let you take it from here. The next day, we I think we were – that was the last game of the road trip or something. The next day, or maybe it was a couple of days later, we get back into New York, and you come up to me like, hey, Brett. Um, so – Tori was watching the game in St. Louis, and uh, apparently you were out there. <laughs> I just lost it. I was like, I was like, I'm sorry, man. I didn't mean to show you up. I was just, I was just confused. I just, 
I had to tell the story. It was one of my favorite things with you mm. because you were so like, you came up to me. People could have been really like upset about that. They could have given mm. me a hard time. Obviously you were very wreck. Look, man, I, I know it happened, but like, can you not just show me up next? I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. Or if I didn't mean to do that. The thing is, is I, I totally get where you're coming from because I'll, I'll, I'll tie into that is like, like I would just have these rushes of blood to my head. You know what I mean? And just on defense, especially because I was just, I was, I played defense like tentatively and passively and those who could play aggressively, I just didn't have it in me. I was always in. So like, but then I would pick the times to be like aggressive and it's like, no, it's like stupid. You know what I mean? Kind of like just not understanding the situation. And so I'd be like, man, I understood why you did it because it's like, you weren't the only one doing it. There were Mets fans across, you know, Queens that were just like, dude, what? just tag him and then we get to go in the dugout and so that was kind of like okay man i get it it's just yeah i get it you know what i mean so we had you know we had our talk um you know it's 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 funny you mentioned it's funny you mentioned about the passive and then like picking points to be aggressive because another thing i remember about you you would tell me you were the first person that ever told me this you told me you couldn't at the time this was in like 20 maybe 14 you told me you never saw spin on a baseball and i was like what and you you said that you just never you just never saw spin. I didn't understand it. But then you would also tell me you would go up in some pitches. You would literally just say auto hack like I'm swinging. Like yeah, I yeah call a hit. How did that suckers? Yeah. <laughs> don't TC that <laughs> TC freak because I called a hit and run on myself. Skip gotcha. <laughs> well, so. <laughs> But what it was is like my what I wasn't doing, but I had this uncultivated skill of barrel accuracy, but I didn't know how to do it in a positive count and get to the pool side and do damage. Until we'll he got back. to Washington in 2016 is what he was going to say. 2015 postseason. I'll give him the 2015 yeah. postseason. Yeah. That's oh, what yeah. he figured 100%. out. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what, I would, what, what I would do is I would, um, I would cheat because I had barrel accuracy. I didn't swing and miss a lot. You know what I mean? And then what I would do is I would just leverage that the pitcher had to throw me a strike because of the counter of the situation. If he did, I'd get on time. If he didn't, I'd be out or I'd make marginal contact. And so what happened was the freaking league figured this out. And I started getting a lot of marginal freaking pitches. I was like, this is not going to work. They're shrink that zone up a little bit because they keep chucking everything at you and you keep swinging at it. And so that's what happened. And so, yeah, so it was learning how to get to damage to the pool side on my terms instead of being like at the mercy of whether or not I got strikes. Because I would go in stretches if I got strikes, I hit. And if I didn't get strikes, I struggled because I didn't walk. Like you, like Rick, you would walk. David would walk. And you guys would take pitches. I'd be like, how the, who takes that? You know I mean? <laughs> David would take it, you know, and he'd take his shin guard off and he'd flip it, you know, in his bat. He just pranced to first. And I was like, who walks, man? No way. <laughs> I didn't have it in me. I couldn't do it. Oh. Um, 3 2 was one of my worst counts. K Long told me. Wow. He's like, you're almost better in 0 2 and 3 2. You ought to just start taking. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing wreck i'm glad i you didn't have up, it in me though I'm, I'm glad you brought up that st louis story wreck i was actually going to bring that up after you asked something else and then close it uh but murph you know thank you again you've been so gracious with your time i i do want to ask you one last thing it's, it's a little more fun maybe not a ba- baseball intricacy uh question
But, you know, obviously you see what's going on right now with Edwin Diaz and Narco, and it's just making national media what happens when he comes in in the ninth and that song blasts, City Field becomes a party, right? I always say that you and Jurius Familia walked so that Edwin Diaz could run when it came to walk-up songs because when Don Kuduro came on in the ninth with a lead, City Field was a party, and every time you stepped up and shipping up to Boston came on, I mean, that place was just absolutely well, electric. That's cool, man. It kind of it gives me goosebumps. They like because you know we're we're entertainers kind of by heart. Like that's what we signed up for, and we just have the part of our entertainment is this common goal that you know this organization in group gets to go on. And so to hear that, like you got entertained, was like that's cool, man. man that's City really cool. Field. It, it, it was a party every time you stepped up. I do want to know, why did you pick shipping up to Boston? Obviously, Dropkick okay. Murphys, that's the obvious mm-hmm. connection. But are you also a big fan of yep. The Departed? Because that's like one of my top so five it was the, it was It was The Departed. So it was 2007. Awesome. And like the unique, cool thing about the minor leagues is not that you don't do life with guys in the big leagues, but you have the ability to be a bit, a bit more individual proprietors, I would say. You're not really afforded that opportunity in the minor leagues. So like, you're with each other all the time. So we watched Departed on the bus all the time in the Florida State League. And they'd ping that song. And I'd just, I'd be ready to go. And I'd want to yeah. want a bat and I'd want to go. And I'm like, if they ever let me in that big league, I think I'm going to try to go with this one. And then the funny thing is actually, so Jonathan Pavelbon, like that's his song, you know, in Boston. And Pap is from down here in Jacksonville. And I didn't know he had it when I picked it. And it's like, I, I didn't know they asked. And I was like, man. I told myself if they ever let me in the doors, I was going to pick this song. So here we go. This is the one I picked. That's amazing. It worked, man. It worked. Obviously, you know, the place, like I said, it was electric every time you stepped up. And uh, Murph, thank you so much as a fan for everything that you did for this team through tough years and then obviously through great years. And uh, thank you. Yeah. No, I was just I was just finishing up. I, I told myself that if I ever they ever let me in like the big leagues, I was picking that song. And so I guess I I did it. So that was the first that was always the first song, no matter the other three, hopefully, you know, four, if you have a good you know what I mean? Right. Um, where those those kind of rotated kind of to probably said things about where I was in my life. But that first one was always the same. Love it. Love it. Murph. I was just saying this when you cut out. First off, as a fan, and I think this is on behalf of, you know, on on behalf of T and all the fans watching. 100%. Thank you for everything you did for this team through some tough years and then obviously through some great years. Uh, we appreciate it. You were always a blast to watch. And then on behalf of the show, thank you so much for your time. You were more than gracious with it, and we really appreciate it, Murph. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. Rex, it's good to see you, man. You look good, dude. Look at you. How sharp you are. I should have tightened it up a little bit. You know what I mean? You look good. Murph, you look great, buddy. It's great to see you. I like the flow. I wish you had the flow going right now instead of the hat. That's what I want to see. Yeah, I know. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. It wasn't bad the other night. It wasn't bad. It was was nice the other night. Okay, so so I think I do. So I'm not on Twitter, but every now and then I go in there and check out what's going on. It's kind of like a public think tank. And some guy goes, Murphy's hair looks like Max Katie. And then I had to look it up. And I was kind of like, oh, that's not a bad call. You know, I might have to think about that. So, <laughs> I love it. On that, um, on that note, one of the best hitters we've ever gotten to watch, 2015 NLCS MVP, Daniel Murphy. Murph, thanks so much. Guys. Oh, thank thank you. you. That was a ton of fun. Rick, guys, thanks for having me. A ton of fun. Thank you, Murph. Thank you a lot, Murph. All right. yeah. Cheers. I'll catch you. That was a blast. That was, oh, yeah, that, that was phenomenal. Yeah.
you never know where conversation is going to go. You never know what's coming. It's just buckle your seatbelts and hold on because that's how he played, and that's that's how he does it. That's that's him. It's awesome. You know, I, I want to know your guys' biggest takeaways from that. Um, I mean, my well, my biggest is I could have talked to him another two hours. Just like he talks hitting, and you're just like it's you're leaning in exactly. I, I, exactly. I, I uh, you know. I've said I've said this about about you, Rec, as well. But I, I texted my brother for like a minute, and he's like, he's very excited to be checking out the pod when it comes out. And I said, you know, it should be it should be illegal to be as knowledgeable as what Daniel Murphy is. And he's like, oh, I'm I'm, I'm really pumped now to get into it. It's it's like a younger Keith Hernandez almost. And, and you know, I, I wanted to say this to him to really juice him up, but it's like I talk about McNeil and the Keith Hernandez comps. It, Murphy was that same gap to gap, you know, just. Uh, you know, he, he talked about not striking out often, you know, just putting wood on the ball, even before his power came in, you know, his later years uh, with the Mets. And then, of course, with D.C., he was just, you know, a great gap to gap. I mean, he was a he was a doubles machine. It, it was ridiculous. He was unstoppable. But, uh, yeah. But what, what were your guys' uh, favorite parts or favorite things? I mean, Rec, anything in there that you heard that you were like, oh, that's my first time hearing that from him? Um. There wasn't a whole lot. I, I really like just when he talks hitting in general. Like I, this is this is the the baseball nerd in me. So when he starts talking and uses terms and like really gets into what it means to hit and and how much he loves it, the passion he has, that's not fake. Like that is who Murph was. That is who Murph is, and that's who Murph is always going to be. And I think to me, just hearing that passion come out in him. Um, that that's what made it great to be his teammate. That's what made it great to be around the guy and to hear him talk. And to that's why I was excited to have him on the show because it's so apparent, it's so obvious, just how much he loved to play the game, the energy he played with it. Like he talked about, you know, not really loving defense and and but how he would just yeah. like he would pick his moments and he would just go. That was the guy I saw all the time on the field, and I never really understood it. But now, like as you know, as time's gone on and I've continued to talk to him and you continue to, you know, you hear him talk, it, that is literally just who he is. And I, I, to me, I think that's just awesome. It's just great to hear someone who knows as much about the game, has been around the game so much and has given so much to the game and gotten so much from the game. And he'll tell you that, too. Um, it's it's really cool just to just to hear him talk about it. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, like you said, man, when he talks hitting, it's it, you're just like mesmerized that you, you're learning so much. Yep. T, what about you, man? I mean, you know, your first year really being a diehard was 2015. So he was front and center with that team and its success. What, what was the coolest part for you? I mean, ju just the entire experience overall. I mean, again, for him to have the type of impact he had down the stretch in the playoffs to then to have this personal conversation about breaking down everything about that run. Of course, we've done the same thing with you, Rex, but it's awesome to hear, you know, different players from that same club's perspective, especially someone like his, again, who had that type of impact and just his overall, his plate discipline, you know, just something that always mesmerized me is more so, honestly, again, as a fan that didn't get as involved with the Mets until around 2015. During his time in DC, I was just, I was so blown away on how locked in he was on every single pitch. It was like I I wanted the Mets to give him bonds treatment every single time he went up. It just that felt the only way to really deal with him when he had a career 355 average against us. Let's be real here. So to hear him discuss exactly you know the type of mindset that he goes into and especially the counts that he doesn't favor him, but you know as a fan for me at least when I watch at bats and I, I I'm thinking in my mind. Like what's running through a player's, uh, you know, thought process? Because some.
some guys are very different than others. But, you know, you think guys are like, you know, you're hoping for this certain pitch or they're thinking in their head, yeah, I, I'm feeling very confident here. So to hear him kind of explain what's going on in his head, you know, pitch by pitch, that type of thing, depending on what they're throwing at him, was really, really interesting to hear and just overall phenomenal breakdown by him. It was an absolute pleasure. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that was uh... – that was a lot of fun. I, I will say the one thing I was debating whether or not I should throw in there, Rec. I don't think I told you this. I, I said this to Tyler earlier today in the uh, in the winter of I don't know if it was 2015 or 2016 yet, but after that season, my uh, my grandma stopped by the house one day, and uh, she comes in, you know, older Italian grandmother, like like we've all got, and uh, she comes in and you know, oh Joey, I got you something, and I'm like, oh grandma, yeah, I'm thinking it's like a tray of meatballs or eggplant parm. I'm like, what'd you what'd you bring? And she's like, I was just at Models getting, you know, my cousin a, a water bottle. And I couldn't believe they had Daniel Murphy jerseys for $50. I had to get you one. I'm like, oh, grandma. They were $50 because you just signed with Washington. You just signed with Washington. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's so funny. So I, that is I so a great. I jersey for 48 hours. And uh, I made my way back to Models. I returned it. Got a Harvey jersey, which I don't know. I mean, that was no better of a, of a I would have kept the Murphy jersey. I'm just saying that's <laughs> I don't know. at that point. I'm like, oh, the guy was just nails in the playoffs, came back from injury, looks great. And then, but uh, yeah, that, that is, it is what it is. Guys, look, we've got a big series coming up with the Dodgers. I mean, the Mets have a cupcake schedule the rest of the way, but this is one of two really big, important series. Obviously, the Dodgers coming up this week, the Braves uh, first games of October. So, Let's, you know, let's let's just kind of quickly get into this Dodgers series. We don't need to harp on it too long. Obviously, Murph took up the majority of the show, and that was phenomenal. But uh, looking at this series, the Mets are back in the win column after a four and six road trip. I use the air quotes because of two games at Yankee Stadium. Uh, three and one against the Rockies. Could have, should have been four and oh. Obviously, it stinks to lose when, uh, when uh, Scherzer is on the bump and, you know, pitches as well as he did. Bats need to wake up, right? Is that the consensus? We had one little offensive outburst, but for the Dodgers series, a team that is now 50 games over 500, not even into September, the bats need to wake up for this one, right, fellas? Because the pitching looks great. Absolutely. I mean, uh, we discussed it, you know, in depth from our last show, how it feels like that, that now is the perfect time. You know, you're facing a rock bottom Rockies, right? This is a time for the bats to break out. Alonzo had that bomb in game one. Nice. He had, of course, that walk off the crazy seven, six win, but Mark Hanna continue to be the best extra base hits machine that we've seen over this latest stretch for the Mets. But yeah, it's an, it's an offensive thing for this team. Still Lindor has been in a rut. He's almost like, Oh, for his last 20. There's a lot of guys right now. They're in ruts at at the wrong time. And I'm curious to see. I really am curious because this is a Mets team that should have easily swept this Rockies series, in my opinion, you know, playing as all much bias aside. I think about what the Braves would have done potentially against the Rockies in this matchup. And I it's hard for me to not believe that would have been far more lopsided than what it was. So for me personally, I'm looking at this and saying, okay, why can't the Mets come out and do more here? But they need to do it against the Dodgers. And I do hope that, especially with Jake on the bump for game two, that the momentum, it's going to be different. City Field is going to be rocking regardless on the Mets losing their final game in the series against the Rockies. It's going to feel like a playoff atmosphere every single game. And I, I truly hope that the Mets can ride this momentum now that they will get from the fan base and really put on a show. Because, again, it, not that you don't you necessarily need to make sure you win this Dodgers series, but we know how important every game is down the stretch. The Dodgers are only one of now 
three teams, including themselves, that the Mets play from now until the end of the year that are above 500. And Dodgers are just casually 50 games above 500. I mean, this team went 20 and five in August thus far. Mets went 18 and 10. So, like, they're just, they're nonstop winning. I need to see the Mets provide some offense and the guys that are getting paid the big bucks, starting with you, Lindor, I love you, and some others. Uh, we got to get these bats going sooner than later, absolutely. Rick, what's yeah, the I think, you look, the off. Yeah, I think the offense is a big point. To me, you know, I watched this Rocky series, and <clears throat> look, the bullpen statistically pitched well. Like, they, they didn't give up a ton, right? Like, I mean, it wasn't like – Lugo actually looked really good. I thought Seth Lugo went out and pitched really, really well. Adovino got a couple of saves. Um, I still not sold on him, but we can just – that's never really going to happen for me. That's just how it is. Um, I just – uh, there's still something missing in that bullpen. I still need to see a little bit more. Uh, I am excited to see how it plays out in this Dodger series. You have a lineup in the Dodgers that, you know, you, you're not going to see from any other team in the big leagues, basically. I mean, this team rakes. Uh, it, you could talk about the Braves, and they're a very good offensive team. But this team, one through nine, is is special. Um, you know, even if it's Max Muncy who's having a really down year, he can still do – you know, he's, he's been starting to get hot. Um, th there's a lot of things this Dodger lineup can do. What's that? I, I Sorry, I said he's having as good an August as anyone. He's having like a Goldschmidt-McNeil-type August. Exactly, yep. exactly. So that's, I mean, you you talk about some of these guys and that that lineup over there. It's, it's really impressive. So to me, I have to see, not just, look, you want to see the starters go out there, whether it's Walker, obviously he's got a turn. DeGrom's got a turn, Bassett. Uh, so we're going to see three very good pitchers going against this Dodger. But I want to see this bullpen. I want to see how they come in. I want to see how they're utilized different matchups, what Buck wants to do. Is he going to kind of show his hand and go kind of all in, show me show me like a, a playoff-like atmosphere in the way that he management, manages these games? Because that's kind of what I saw in those Yankee games. Um, it seemed like it was a little bit different. There was some experimentation going on, and, and that's what I want to see kind of in this series. What do they do as a team? How do they attack this Dodger lineup? Um, offensively, look, it, it's been a struggle, but they I think – they got almost a pass here with this Dodgers team right now, whether it's Haney, Anderson. They've both been great. Don't get me wrong. They've both been great as Dodgers. But if I'm a hitter, I'm going, yeah, give me the two lefties. Give me the two guys, you know, that throw 91 to 93, 94. They, you know, don't have a ton of stuff that I'm too worried about. Yeah, last day you get Dustin May. We don't even go there. 99, 100. Somehow that guy gets hit sometimes. Stupid. I don't know how. Um, it's It's ridiculous. But, you know, you, you want to see them wake up. You want to see them do some things. Uh, I think the back end of that Dodger bullpen is actually probably the weakest link. Uh, you know, you, you talk about Kimbrel is if he's even their closer. I think this offense can get to them. So, to me, it's going to be about, all right, should, score some runs, maybe hit a few homers. And definitely, if you're not in the lead, just keep showing that fight because I think with this Dodger team, you're going to have a chance – for some late wins, potentially, we actually saw it um, at the time of this recording. It'll be uh, at the time of this recording. It was last night. At the time you hear this, it was two nights ago. We saw the Cardinals get a win on the Braves because Kenley just didn't have it. I mean, walking guys gave up a hit, and and things happened. I think the Mets have a similar, you know, can have a similar approach with if Kimbrel's in late in one of these games and maybe they're down. I think they have a shot in any of those situations. So to me, it's just going to be really about how this team pitches against that Dodger lineup keep themselves in the game and give that offense a shot to do what they need to do. 
Yeah, didn't the Marlins just steal one from the Dodgers pen, by the way? I think Alcantara threw a uh, complete game. Yeah. They won two to one, yep. and they were, they it was were a down. It loaded jam in the ninth, and he got out yeah. of it. Yep. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. a crazy so, game. You know, yeah, they, uh, they they got to the pen. And the, Do- and the uh, Marlins, excuse me, one of the worst offenses in baseball. Let's call it what it is. They just they, they don't score a lot of runs, but they were able to get to that Dodgers bullpen. So for the Mets, my biggest takeaway, Tyler, and I know you want to add something. Yeah. Uh, it's just, you know, when the Mets are playing their best baseball this year, whether or not they're lighting up starters, they're working counts, and they're getting guys out of the game early. And if you can do that to the Dodgers, um, I'm very confident in this team. If you can't, if Anderson's going out there for 7-8 shutty like he did uh, you know, in Dodger Stadium when the Mets played there on that Friday night game back in June, then you're going to have some issues. But get to that Dodger pen. That's definitely probably their only weakness. T, what was up, man? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I was going to mention, you know, because Rekka, I was, it was interesting for me to hear from you, you know, like kind of how, you know, not that Heaney or ain't and Anderson are guys that just brush off, but they're guys that you feel that they're favorable matchups. And for me, as someone that again, has watched the Mets all year, I, I don't know how much I can necessarily agree with that. You know, I'm really curious to see. Cause they're lefties matchup. you're saying. Yeah. Not just lefties, but yeah. guys that don't have overpowering stuff, but again, you saw the Dodgers pick up Heaney really quick this past offseason, right? It didn't take them long to get Anderson. And they just, they're phenomenal with their player development with guys that are already veterans established in this game. They're, these are the latest examples. Heaney, again, a sub two year Ray. Anderson at 2.7. And they're just, everyone, everyone and their mother that goes on this Dodgers team always blossoms to have career years. So that's the thing for me. It's like, I don't know how the Mets are going to match up here, especially because I think for lefties, I'm curious if Brett Beatty is going to start at least one of these games. We saw Eduardo Escobar start his first game back with the Mets against uh, that being in Freeland. Went over three left, five runners on base. He still looks like a guy, in my opinion, that has an injury to his oblique because he couldn't hit, uh, th- hit from the right side of the plate originally when he was playing through that injury. So, like, one, I'm curious to see if Beatty's going to be matched up in that lefty and lefty. But more than anything, you know, Lindor. Lindor has had great success in the second half against lefties. Let's see more of that. Alonzo, same thing, because Pete, What something I've noticed with him is he can either have it or he simply doesn't have it against lefties. I feel more often than not we haven't seen that. So, yeah, these guys don't have the most overpowering stuff. You're right. But how technical are they going to be against this Mets team that, again, is really trying to get this offense in a groove? Well, has been pretty mediocre for the past two weeks outside of that Philly series where they always tend to do well in that batter's box. So, yeah, that's just, you know, my my final takeaway. It will come down to that pitching. And I think more than anything, I love, and I'm curious if you guys agree or disagree, having Jacob DeGrom as the number two starter here. And this is from a fan's perspective because, okay, let's say in the hypothetical the Mets go down one, right? Then you got Jake for two. Best scenarios and Mets win that game to them. Then they have the momentum going into the rubber match or in the other scenario here where you say win game one, then you're already looking for the series victory with Jake on the bump in game two. It may not mean much, but just for me personally, having him in game two, I think is definitely going to be a positive for this club. So Rec, going back to you as a player standpoint, do you agree or disagree on the notion of depending on the pitcher that you have for a series like this, it very well could have maybe more benefit than say Jake going game one, if at all. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think you'd always want to get your – you want to get out on the front foot. You want to put your best foot forward. So, to me, having that guy for game one would be great because if we win game one, then it's just, yeah, okay, all we got to do is one out of two. We can we can take the series. Um, you know, look, and in this situation, the Mets are going to be at home. So, I think they certainly should be expecting to win two out of three. That's the mindset you use no matter who's coming in. I don't care if it's the Dodgers or who it is. Um, you expect to take care of business at home. So, to me, I, 
I would love to have him go in game one. The fact that he's going game two, it doesn't really matter to me. This is regular season. I'm trying to win at least two out of three. You win two, you, you win the series at home. You split the series on the road. That's how you have a great season. That's all you need to do in baseball. It's, it's actually very simple. It's very easy. Um, when you say it like that, it's not easy to do, but uh, I think this Mets team has everything it takes to compete with this Dodgers team right now. Um, it's just going to be about that that Dodgers lineup, man. I, I'm telling you, they, they're so good. Freddie Freeman has been otherworldly. Justin Turner has turned it on in the last month or so. And like we said, Max Muncy, you could talk about Trey Turner, Mookie Betts. It goes, the list goes on. It's a very good lineup. It's just going to be interesting for me to see how um, – not how – I think Jake's going to be fine. He's going to attack this lineup. Uh, we saw Alcantara do it, like you said, yes, last night, uh, you know, two nights ago when you hear this. But, uh, you know, Alcantara, a few days before that in Dodger Stadium, got his stuff handed to him by this Dodgers lineup. So we'll see what happens. But I do think – and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that matchup just specifically. To, to me, when Jake goes – as long as he gets a little bit of run support, I'm good. I don't even care. That's <laughs> funny. I almost wish he was going. Oh, Joe, 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 Joe. Pump the brakes. Sorry, you're getting bad audio issues real it. quick. Yeah. yeah, it's okay. It's all right. You want to try again? Let's hear it. That, that better? Is that working? No, Not you're good. underwater, Joe. Yeah, you're, you're underwater. underwater. You, guys, you guys can wrap the show up. Okay. So. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Unplug, unplug your uh, your headphones and then we'll be good. I mean, talk about technical issues. Of course. Of course it happens when we have more. I mean, again, these things tend to happen, but that's fine. Again, this was an absolute blast. This was episode 18 of Believe in Queens, guys. This will also be the big series. My birthday's on Tuesday. I thought Jake was going to pitch on Tuesday. He's pitching Wednesday. That's fine, though. So I'm going to be excited to watch that. You know, for my big day, I saw we had some recent birthdays, too, for you. Rec with your family, Joe with your family. That's awesome. A lot of big stuff happening here in the late month of August. But, guys, for Joe Sorallo at, of course, Sorallo Sports Doc, doing great things with his podcast every single week. Make sure to check him out. And also on Twitter, at Anthony Recker. That is Anthony underscore Recker on Twitter. We're going to make sure we get the handle right. Make sure to check him out for MLB Network and doing great things for Apple TV. Guys, I got to check on Instagram. I got to check on Instagram. No way. Wait, is my audio back? Yeah, yeah, you're good. Yes. Yeah. Oh, amazing. I saw that when I tagged you in something today with the yeah, preview. I had uh, one of our social media guy at MLB Network, just Billy, uh, what's his name? Billy Lee, I think, I just texted me the other day. He's like, hey, you want me to get you a check on Instagram? I was like, sure, you could try, but they keep denying me. I don't know. You could go for it. He texted me back like five minutes later with a picture of it with a check next to it. I was like, Okay, I guess it's that easy. Look at that. Like what? Billy Lee with the magic touch. I got to get in touch. I mean, there you go. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. Guys, great episode. That'll do it. Believe in Queens. Again, head over to believe.com slash shop. We've got merch. Get wrecked, baby. We'll see you next time out. Oh, that's not it. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.